Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours in London, the home of the NFL's P45s. Great show coming up, we're previewing all the Week 9 games and we're going to revisit our pre-season predictions. Some of us might have picked a coach to be on the hot seat whose team are now undefeated. Who knows? This is the Gridiron Show. So hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, Sports Travel for fans, by fans. Uh, you can check us out and in the usual places on Twitter at Gridiron Show. Uh, well, just at Gridiron now. I was going to do the old Twitter address. It is 6.55 in the morning on Saturday morning as we're recording this. We wanted to make sure we got out nice and early. So, you know, while you're doing your gardening, while you're uh, going to the shops, while you're doing whatever you're doing with your Saturday. Taking you the kids could. to swimming. Yeah, taking the kids to swimming. There you go. Perfect. That's the perfect time to listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. Uh, lots of peas in that sentence. Uh, then you have myself and Mr. Ollie Hunter to guide you through all hey. of that. How are you doing today, buddy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. I'm off to the rugby later. Ooh, which game? Uh, England versus New Zealand in the rugby league at oh. the Olympic Stadium. It's not rugby. You're such a snob. <laughs> There's an ongoing it's conversation. It's like Canadian football's not football. No, yeah, they, they were, that's a prime <laughs> example. There's a, there's an ongoing conversation. I'm in a, a fancy league with a few other media types. The Mike White, uh, oh. Richard Graves is in that league. A few oh. other guys that work for BBC up in the north, Rob Statton, etc. Uh, but in that league as well is Ben Jones Bishop, the winger who's just left Salford and is now with... He didn't go to Hull, he went to Wakefield. Um, and there's uh, Rob Burrow as well is also in that league. So I'm in it with two rugby league players. And when I started trying to praise the game of kick and clap, as they call it, they uh, they were having none of it. No. Right, well, fair enough. It was I, all around the Sam Burgess going back to rugby league thing. Which, by the way, I think is an absolute disgrace by England Rugby Football Union. They are an absolute disgrace. They are like the AFC South. Disgraceful for the way they treated Sam Burgess. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a question. Uh, maybe one save for the end of the podcast, because I do. we need to discuss the nominations for this. But, uh, in fact, let's save it for the end. But it is time to declare our... As I've decided to now call Ooh, it. I quite like uh, that. Thanks. I came up <laughs> with it on Twitter the other day, and I was like, how can I make that sound dramatic on the podcast? I'm going to add loads of echo into that later. I'm probably not. Because I'm lazy. It definitely won't. I've just made a note of it. 3.05, echo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anything to report from this week before we get into all the footballing chats? No, no, no. All good. I've Lots of work. Uh, went to the Student Radio Awards, uh, partook in a bit too much alcohol. Imbibement. Yeah, indeed. Uh, lots of work. Otherwise, no, all, all, is, all is well. Trying to mop my brow, but I'm mopping my brow with those very papery McDonald's uh, napkins. I couldn't remember the word from earlier. I can't remember the word from again now. <laughs> you really uh, couldn't. <laughs> this is going to be a fun pod, guys. Uh, yeah, with the really kind of papery, dry sounding. So that made a lot of noise on the microphone. I apologise for that. I'll try to hit it less today, though, because you do hate it when I do that on the old Twitter. How about you? What have you been up to? And you've coughed in my uh, direction again. I was again. trying to cough the You're other way, but I don't disgrace. know why I went that <laughs> Why? Why would you it cough was, in my direction? But it wasn't a viral cough. It was more of a just clear my throat cough. So less, less germs coming your way. Uh, I, um, I didn't go to the Student Radio Awards because I had work and then the plans to go to the awards, then go to work afterwards, kind of fell by the wayside, which was annoying. But uh, last night I went out and saw a film and took my wife for dinner and it was all very well, lovely. What did you have? 
Food-wise, yeah. we went for uh, Ikachai. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, Southeast Asian food. I had a beef rendang, a roti, and uh, some little niblets as well. Marvellous. And what movie did you see? Uh, we went to see The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Or something like that. Does that sound as crap as I... She wanted to go and watch uh, Brooklyn, which I'm not... I'm, I'm okay to see that. The, the trailers make it look like a schmaltzy, kind of Nicholas Sparks-style romance. And a the, film about Brooklyn Beckham the reviews, no one wants to see. <laughs> the reviews have actually been really strong, and I like Ceci Ronan. Ceci. Ceci. Suarez. Ronan, exactly, that one. She's great. Um, she's the one in that movie about... Um, uh, where she's raised in the wild. Hannah. Hannah, that's yeah. a great movie. That is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of okay to see that, but after we'd eaten our meal, we realised it wasn't on at a suitable time. And this it got a decent review in The Guardian. It was three out of five. It said it was fun. It was the most ludicrous film I've seen in a while, but it was actually a lot of fun. About three scouts who go out on a scouting trip. They're in their kind of 15 kind of age range, uh, and they come back to discover that the town has been ruined by the zombie apocalypse. And it is very, it kind of like somewhere between American Pie meets Shaun of the Dead. It's like Shaun of the Dead, but with very American comedy sensibilities. So there's some dick jokes and some fart jokes and stuff like that on top of the quite funny cerebral stuff about zombies. But it was, it was good. It was, it wasn't like, it's not going to change the world. I think it's one of those films like Idle Hands where in like 10 years time, stoners will be watching it as like a cult favourite. Okay. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'd, I'd recommend that if you don't want to see Spectre again or just don't want to see it at all. And Haven't you've got, seen it yet. And you've got no interest in seeing something heavy like Her Name is Malala or uh, or that other one I already mentioned, Brooklyn, then you want something silly and throwaway and fun? It, it made me laugh. I will go for it. I laughed plenty. Well, and who doesn't like your laugh? Plenty of people actually <laughs> on the pod. I quite liked your cerebral mention uh, when it came to zombies because, of course... It's all about the brain. All uh, about and that how, brain. And how it works. Brain. I've been watching iZombie recently as well. It's all about the zombies. So Walking Dead, iZombie, Scout's Guide to Zombies or whatever. Have you finally watched this week's Walking Dead, by the way? Uh, I've watched... No, I've watched the one... Spoiler with, alert. With the main character, where, where that happens at the end. Yeah, but I know he survives because what's-his-face falls on top of him. That's what I thought as well. And oh, no, whoa! Don't say that's what. No, I no, no, as no, well. no, no. Because I've already told you they don't revisit it in the next episode. What? Um, I, t- I did. I told you that earlier in the week. If I've now spoiled it for you, uh, no. This episode is an hour and a half episode. It's a feature long one, and oh. it's great. I really want you to watch it today and tell me what you think. I can't. I'm, I've got to go home. Sleep. Should we talk about American football or what? Yeah. No. How long have we got? <laughs> about um, I, I feel like it would be ridiculous first to not start off by talking about Greg Hardy, particularly after my rantings on Twitter last night. Uh, Deadspin.com last night released photo evidence of Dallas Cowboys defender end uh, Gary Hardy's ex-girlfriend Nicola Holder that were taken within days of when she said Hardy uh, attacked her in 2014. Remember, of course, according to reports, uh, Hardy pushed her up against a wall, then threw her onto a futon full of firearms uh, and basically threatened to kill her. And then when she suggested that he should kill her before she did it herself, uh, Hardy let her go and then rang the police and said that she had attacked him. We know that the case uh, ended up getting thrown out of court just before it was adjudicated. She dropped the charges, lots of accusations that there was a payoff there, which led to that. But these photos are an utter disgrace. And it's a real shame that, much like with the Ray Rice case, it's taking 
evidence that we can see with our own eyes for people to say the Cowboys made the wrong decision to bring Greg Hardy into the building. Uh, however, I, I mean, I said it on the podcast at the time. I said he's a terrible human being. He's a misogynist. He's a, clearly a spousal beater. We've seen evidence of that now. But over the fact that we have now seen evidence will shame the Dallas Cowboys into acting on it. And actually, do you know what, Jerry? You're not going to the playoffs anyway. You're two and five. You might lose to the Eagles this weekend. You've still not got Romo back. You're probably not going to have him back for another two games. Just cut losses. You've, you've got him on a deal which is very oriented to getting uh, not, not roster bonuses, but appearance bonuses, and mm. it's very laden with incentives. So actually, you're cut, by cutting him, you're not losing very much at all. Just get it over and done with. Get this guy out of the league. Why Ray Rice is out of the league and this guy isn't, I don't know. And that's not me saying Ray Rice should be in the league. But um, yeah, uh, the fact is, is much like Adrian Peterson, quality is the reason he's still in the league. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's sad as well when you've got someone like Joseph Randall. Okay, he's had his issues, but perhaps a more support network would be needed. They cut him. They claimed. I mean, we all know that the claim was to shadow the fact that he wasn't playing very well. But they claimed they cut him for character issues. And who have they still got on their roster? That's farcical. I think the Cowboys and Cowboy supporters that su- that support this need to have a real hard, long look at themselves. And I have to say, most Cowboys fans have come out and said that they're not necessarily in support of it. I did have an interesting uh, conversation with um, Dave Dickinson, who used to run the old at NFL UK or UK in the NFL or whatever it was called account, uh, the Any Given Sunday Night account, and uh, where he was saying, look, I completely agree. I wish this guy wasn't on an NFL roster. But if you turned around and said that we're going to keep hold of him and he returns a pick six to win us the Super Bowl... I can't pretend I wouldn't be pleased to win the Super Bowl. Um, and I think that's kind of the level some fans are coming in from. Some are just calling for his head immediately. Cowboys Nation on Twitter really came out and defended it. And then went, huh, if you want to laugh, tweet people who have, set, who have uh, tweeted us thinking that we're defending him. Ha, 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 ha. But you've defended the team's decision to sign him. They were saying things like, what happened happened between Greg Hardy and his girlfriend. It didn't happen to you. And you're just going, the language there is... So irresponsible around this. And I know it's easy to get on your soapbox when something like this has happened. But you know what? Get on your soapbox, people. Let's see Greg Hardy out of the league. Uh, Hardy out of the league. And I, I can understand where they're coming from with the whole pick six thing. But every team, every team has got a rapist. Has got, <laughs> has got someone that's cheated, uh, cheated on a Brazilian supermodel with their nanny. Um, has got people done for for minor offences like smoking weed. Everyone's got stuff. There are some bad people in this there, game. I would say that the 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 final one of of my examples is not that bad compared to the first <laughs> the first two. The, the NFL actually don't agree with you. <laughs> no, they do not agree with Based me. Based on the suspension, yes. Yeah. Uh, right, but Greg Hardy, piss off. Yeah, uh, the other one, thing, the other one, Hardy. The other thing that can piss off, and we should probably talk about this on next week's podcast, but is colour rush uniforms. If you haven't seen these yet, we've tweeted them from at Gridiron. Go online and check them. Thursday night football for the rest of the season. We'll see the teams partaking playing in the new colour rush uniforms. Hashtag Kitwatch. Uh, Yeah, so the first one, nobody knows why, first of all. Nobody knows why they're doing this. There's been no actual explanation, but basically it means that the teams will be playing in a neon-ish, brighter version of their usual kit colour and playing in it head-to-toe. I mean, uh, boots, 
knee socks, uh, their cleats coming all the way down to like literally covered head to toe. In the, and the example this uh, this Thursday will be the Jets all in green and the Bills all in their in their changed all red, which actually just look like the Patriots throwbacks. But I hate it. Now you said that I would love this. I thought you would. I do not love this. Wow. Because I I love my kits. I love my uniforms. I think if you're gonna do coloured uniforms, you have to do. Your original colours. You, you know, the, the Bills need to play in their blue. So you, you don't object to how ugly they are. You just object that the Bills are playing in a, ch- in a chain strip. They're not, they're not pretty. I do object to how ugly they are. But if you're going to do it, you do it in your home strip. So your home kit. We've only seen the Bills and the Jets so far. We also know we're going to have the Titans and the Jags, that Thursday night classic. Why do they have that game on Thursday night every year? Um, because they have to have those two teams once on Thursday and they're not going to put them else <laughs> against anyone else. It's obvious. I don't think they're doing it on Thanksgiving, but we will have it for Packers-Lions later in the year and Vikings-Cardinals. So they, we're going to see plenty of, uh, of these uniforms over the next few weeks. Look out for them. They're exciting. Shall we talk about the Bengals and the Browns? Yes, please. Thursday night football, and yet again, the Cincinnati Bengals put away a terrible team in impressive fashion. Andy Dalton threw three touchdown passes, all of them to Tyler for and lead blocked on Mohamed Sanu's, Sanu's reverse on Thursday night, keeping the Cincinnati Bengals unbeaten with a 31-10 and victory over the Browns. At the end of this podcast, we're going to revisit our preseason predictions, and whilst they weren't my number one team for who would be on the hot seat. I said that Marvin Lewis, if they don't go and do have a really impressive season, considering the amount of talent they've got there, then this could finally be the year that the Bengals' uh, ownership get, get just get rid, say, right, we've had him here for a long time. He's lost four consecutive playoff games. Five of he goes out in the first round this year. Sack him off. Yeah. They've been incredible. They've been amazing. And not just on uh, offense where Marvin Jones, uh, AJ Green, okay, he had a quieter game, but Mohamed Sanu... Um, Giovanni Bernard, Jeremy Hill, all of those guys on offense are stepping up. Tyler Eifert, how less we forget, but that defense as well. The way they shut down Johnny Manziel, um, <laughs> I will refuse to call him by his uh, his moniker. I dis I dislike that intensely. Um, but how they stepped up, the pressure on the, on them uh, on him was was immense. Uh, the Browns' offensive line crumbled. It was a wonderful, wonderful defensive performance, which was only sullied really by actually Johnny Manziel, um, a, a wonderful 90-odd yard drive, 10 plays for a touchdown. Actually, yeah, I mean, that was the, really good. The, I mean, the first half of this game was very tight, and actually it looked like we were going to have a bit of a Thursday night classic going in at halftime. 14-10, the Bengals were leave, leading, and in fact, they went for it on fourth and two from about 10 yards out. The second time they'd gone for it on fourth down in that half, Hugh Jackson is going to get a head coaching job next year. He's been brilliant. Mm. Um, uh, and we'll talk, mention who we think Jets. that could be in a moment. Not the, Jets. No. Not the Jets. Not the Jets. Todd Bowles has been brilliant, I was going to no, say. No, no, the Titans. He'll go to the Titans. Titans, I think, a great offensive mind working with Mariota. I think that's a great shout. Yeah. I also think the Lions could be a good shout. Miami could be a good shout if Dan Campbell uh, doesn't end up being anything more than interim head coach. There are definitely teams in there. Right, we've already talked about it, so I promise. Um, but they did some really interesting things. I mean, uh, earlier in the year, we saw them splitting Andrew Whitworth out wide right to, uh, last night or Thursday night, as it is now. They did it with uh, Eric Winston. They're, they're doing stuff, interesting stuff with Lyman. They're going for it on fourth down. Uh, the Mohamed Sanu touchdown was on the reverse where Gio took the ball, tossed it up to Sanu, and like we said, Dalton lead block. The defence bit on it is so hard. The Dalton lead block for a 22-odd yard touchdown 
and neither of them were touched. Yeah, sure. I think Andy was ready for contact, but they, he didn't need to be, basically. He would have taken that contact. <clears throat> but on that fourth and two, the pass out wide left to AJ Green was uh, was low and short, and even though I want to praise Andy Dalton for everything, it wasn't a great throw. However, the Randy Starks lined up offside, giving the uh, Bengals another chance. Sorry, lined to... up offside? He actually lined up offside. He didn't move early, he lined up offside. Um, and, so the, uh, and so the Browns gave up the first down, uh, rather than getting the ball on down. So... I mean, you mentioned Johnny Manziel's 92-yard drive. Ten plays, three outstanding plays outside of the pocket. And then in the second half, only one first down in the whole second half. Now, but is that all on Manziel? Or, as I said, that the defence of the he, Bengals he's not stepping as, up? He's not as good, good inside the pocket. He's missing reads. He did have a few drops which weren't on him. Um, but not a good straightforward mm. quarterback at the moment. He play, he's making exciting plays with his legs. When he's getting out of the pocket, he's still he's always looking downfield. He's completing passes. All of that's exciting. But the Bengals made a halftime adjustment. They moved away from trying to bring straight pressure with their front to more kind of QB contain looks, taking their ends and just putting them outside the pocket and stopping him from rushing and basically forcing him to throw. Going, go on then, beat us in the air. And unfortunately, he couldn't do it. And that's where the Bengals pulled out to their lead. And then Tyler Eifert. There is nobody playing better in the red zone. He looks like Jimmy Graham did in New Orleans over the past four years. He has been superb. Leads the league in receiving touchdowns with nine. Now two ahead of Rob Gronkowski, admittedly with one game more played. But like we heard all the off-season blunder about him. I genuinely didn't believe it. He has been incredible. Mohamed Sanu was caught saying, they're leaving the guy with the most touchdowns in the league open. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Mm. Um, just a quick nod to the kits. Hashtag kitwatch. <laughs> um, I thought they were fantastic. The Browns have horrendous kits, but when you put them in all white with that that sort of orange helmet, look great. And the black of uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals with the with the Bengal sleeves, Bengal Tiger sleeves, fantastic, great kits. That could have been a horror show kit wise last night. It was not. You like that? You like that? Just wants a show now. Um, I, I realised on the last show we didn't use any of our sound drops at all, so I'm just trying to try and remember to use them this week. It's mainly because I'm using the computer to look at all of my extensive notes. Mm. Oh, they're not extensive. So the uh, the Bengals win 31 to 10 on Thursday night football. That AFC race coming in is going to be fantastic. The Broncos still have to play both the Pats and the Bengals. Those three teams undefeated, and for me at the moment, the three best teams in the NFL. I can't disagree with that at all. Superb. Uh, I don't agree with Mike White, who said uh, the NFC should be branded the disgrace. Well, the whole thing. That's what he said. That seems extreme. You're uh, a disgrace, Whitey. <laughs> yeah, you genuinely could have to be 15 and one to get a bye in that uh, in that conference this year. That is mental. Uh, week nine, six teams on the bye: Arizona, Baltimore, Houston, Seattle, and of course Detroit and Kansas City. Uh, so we'll just mention the little bit of news around those teams, which is all about the Lions. Uh, we mentioned it this week. We've had uh, a president, a GM a head coach, an offensive coordinator and a starting quarterback all lose their jobs. The Lions fire GM Martin Mayhew and uh, team president Tom Luan by, uh, fired by Martha Ford. Sheldon White, the VP of Pro Personnel, takes over as GM. Uh, my biggest thing is the trade deadline was the day before you make this move. Yeah. What's a GM coming in for the rest of the season actually meant to achieve? Will there be one? Well, this is the point. So yeah. Sheldon White is taking over, but there's nothing for him to really do. The trade deadline's gone. I mean, the fans are so disenfranchised. I sat on that Lions radio broadcast for the game last Sunday, and between, I don't, you know, not selling these guys down the river or anything, but between plays, when it went to the ad breaks, 
just so disheartened about the whole thing, just ready to start every single play. And, and I kind of my favorite new theory is this idea that there's three good teams, three, four good teams, three, four terrible teams, and everyone else is about average. Um, and play, teams just ascend and descend each year. They're definitely in that three terrible teams. And I mean, you can't put it all on. Uh, Marty Mayhew, you can't put it all on the the uh, franchise. They rebuilt. They were rebuilding at the wrong time. Their three best players in uh, uh, in and Sue's, of course, already gone. Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson were all picked up before the new CBA came in. So they all have ludicrous contracts as rookies, which meant they all have ludicrous contracts uh, in their second contract, and that's why they're losing now. Uh, they were eleven and five last year. Uh, they missed out thanks to that terrible PI call against the Cowboys. Uh, there are no players still from the 2010 or 11 draft on their team. It's just a bit of a mess. It's mad, isn't it? Uh, Sue already gone because uh, of the crazy contract. I think Calvin will be gone. His cap hit next year is $24 million. Uh, Stafford's due to earn $16 million and $15 million over the next two years, but none of that is his guaranteed money left over. His contract was front-loaded. The idea was at this point they'd be looking to sign him to a new deal. Actually, they could cut him without it costing the team very much. I don't think, I think much like the Bears, you don't do that until you have someone else in the building. But they're picking number one overall, which is a very distinct possibility. They could go out and get like a Jared Goff or uh, whoever else is touted as being the number one quarterback and actually cut their losses and do a full reset. What about this? Stafford to the 49ers. Uh, do you know what? I take it. And, and I think it could happen because obviously uh, Colin Kaepernick, has, has, he's one of the, the guy that we... They, they can have him back. <laughs> yeah, they can have him back. But Colin Kaepernick has... Uh, has uh, being dropped by the San Francisco 49ers. Blaine Gabbert is coming in. Who? Exactly. Uh, Ex-Jacksonville Jaguars uh, Blaine Gabbert. Is that a move? Is that a move to suck? Is that a move for... They want to beat the Detroit Lions to the first overall pick. No, 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 no. I genuinely believe that the 49ers have done that because they think Colin Kaepernick needs to get out of his own head. It's the fact that the Blaine Gabbert was their choice on the bench is d- disgraceful. But I think Kaepernick will be back in within two games and trying to get him out there. And But we had a, a beer bet on the idea that the 49ers would have at least four wins this year. Uh, they've currently got two. They might finish the season on two. I'm not going to lie. Can you remember who had the beer bet which way? Yes, I can. I can remember that I bet they'd have at least four wins this year. One point going your way, I yeah, feel. Thank you very much. Uh, Coldwell's 100% gone. We have to see what's going to happen with a new coach. Maybe that's why they keep Stafford around. And off the bye next week, they only have to travel to Green Bay, a place they haven't won since 1991. Yep. That's 22 straight losses. Love that. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, should we move on and preview the week nine games then, sir? Yeah, let's do that. Now, Ollie lovingly, having just come off a night shift, has brought in some fantastic crib notes for us. He's put down all the games, a few little facts about them. He's done a really good job here. Um, we're going to do it in the order that he started off with, and there's a couple of fantastic six o'clock games. You might want to be talking about, oh, I don't know, the Raiders at the Steelers, a sneaky AFC wildcard game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You might want to talk about the recent, until recently undefeated Packers traveling to the currently undefeated Panthers, but no. But no, you started off with the AFC least. The Miami Dolphins 3 and 4, that's 0 and 3 in conference, traveling to the Bills who are 1 and 1 in conference but also 3 and 4, coming off a lopsided loss to the reigning Super Bowl champions and without their def- pro bowl defensive end Cameron Wake. The Dolphins still think they're in a better place than when they last faced the Bills. Uh, Dan Campbell's first loss as coach was last weekend. They want to avenge the earlier defeat for the Bills about 41-14, huge. They were riding high after totaling 82 points in their first two wins, came crashing down with that huge 
huge loss on Thursday night football to New England. But the Bills have Tyrod Taylor returning. How are we feeling about this one? I think the Bills will win. I mean, you've got they've got that defense, and it hasn't been firing on all cylinders. But up against um, and especially in in Buffalo, and not against the Patriots, against the <laughs> against the Dolphins, who do not travel well. They lost uh, at the Jacks uh, in Jacksonville. They've got to go up to the colder the colder climate of uh, of Buffalo. Um, I expect the the Bills to win. I've taken that on um, the predictor game at Gridiron Hyphen Magazine. Um, I mean, the last time these two teams faced, Tyrod Taylor was 21 for 29, 277 yards, three touchdowns. Yet Carlos Williams had a huge game, 12 times for 110 yards and a touchdown. Taylor expected to start after missing the last two games with a knee injury. EJ Manuel, we all saw him in London. He was dreadful. Tyrod Taylor is 3-2 and two as the starter. I genuinely believe that he makes this football team a much, much better football team, and I have taken the Bills at home. Taking the Bills. I'm really excited to see Tyra Taylor, actually. Um, I'm, I'm glad that he's come back. Uh, interesting stuff uh, on, on offense uh, for the Dolphins. Lamar Miller seems to have a little bit of his mojo. Jarvis Landry uh, looking... I love Jarvis Landry. Yeah, looking like a real player. Uh, I, sadly, without Cameron Wake, though, I don't know if they're going to get the pressure that they need. On the quarterback. Now let's talk about the game I thought we were going to start off by talking about, and that's the 6-1 and one Green Bay Packers against the 7-0 and o Panthers. Now, we kind of glossed over the Packers a little bit on our previous show, and I understood why we wanted to talk about the Broncos. They just brought in Vernon Davis, literally, as we started to talk about that game, and they looked very impressive against the Packers last weekend, but just 77 yards in the air, Aaron Rodgers, uh, on Sunday. And I, I've got to say admittedly, I don't put that on necessarily Aaron Rodgers. I think there's been some terrible, terrible play calling on the offensive side of the ball. And for the first time, Jordy Nelson looks like a huge loss. He's, he's A player that great is always going to look like a bit of a loss. But actually, without him in the side, they've been doing the same thing that they always do with Aaron Rodgers, which mm. is splitting the guys out wide, running very straight routes. No crossing, no slants. No, They don't do anything. And that's to, Randall Cobb. Randall they, Cobb yeah. is a crosser and a slanter. Well, they, they don't do anything to try and confuse the defence. And that's fine if your receivers are getting separation like Jordy does, like Randall does when he's not covered by the number one guy because Jordy's there. They're not getting separation. So Aaron Rodgers isn't able to make those throws. I think Devontae Adams coming back in full this weekend means he could play on the outside and Randall could move back to the inside role, which he's so good at. And maybe that makes the difference. But certainly, uh, certainly Tom Clement's play calling needs to take a step up. this. So weekend. where do you think Josh Norman will focus his attention then? If, if you've got Devontae Adams uh, out wide, but obviously Randall Cobb is uh, the number one receiver. He's not an in, he's not an inside guy. Uh, Josh Norman, for all the praise we want to heap on him this season, he's he's not a guy who plays on the inside. He's not a guy who plays on the nickel. I imagine he'll be on the outside. He'll be covering James Jones. He'll be covering Devontae Adams. Uh, he'll become Randall Cobb if Randall Cobb splits out wide. But uh, I, I think this could be a good game for Randall Cobb up against the safeties in Carolina. The fact this is Carolina is what's really putting me off. Uh, the Panthers seeking a team record 12th consecutive win this Sunday. Well, the Packers are trying to bounce back from their defeat. They rank seventh against the pass this year, allowing just 228 yards per game. And they third with 12 interceptions, 11 sacks over the past three weeks. Their just defense looks very, very strong. And I have taken the Panthers to defeat the Packers for a second consecutive game. Second consecutive loss, Ollie Hunter. After suffering a defeat the previous week, Aaron Rodgers is 14-0 and 
Wow. He's never lost back-to-back games. He's like the anti-Rex Ryan. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, utterly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He cannot be as uh, restricted as he was last week. Eddie Lacy will have to do some running. James Starks was was absent last week. Um, The big issue is... Green Bay have given up over a thousand yards in total offense. Um, not good. Really not great, including including eight hundred and twenty eight through the air over the past two games. Is, is um is is Clay Matthews back this weekend? It looks like he'll be back. He has been limited in practice. Uh, I have I have to make an apology. You do need to make an apology. Clay... It's about uh, Julian Edelman, though. <laughs> no, uh, Clay Matthews has been uh, uh, okay this year. Let's get hysterical. Hysterical. I want to get hysterical. Let's get into hysteria. <laughs> I can't not laugh every time. No, he's been better than okay. So why no. won't you why didn't you listen to me when I was saying he <laughs> because I watch him. I watch Green Bay very closely and I watch him on on defense and I've been banging this drum ever since he moved Look. back to outside line um, inside hey. linebacker. Let me let me explain myself. You're let me let me explain myself. All his career, he has been a very one-dimensional player. He's been an outside guy, very good in pass rush, but doesn't terrible in coverage. Never that great against the run. And always, my issue with him was never that he was rated as a good player. That he was talked about like he was one of the top two or three linebackers in the league. He's and even even though I'm now apologising, I still maintain he's not Luke Keekley. I still maintain he's not Navarro Bowman on a good defense. He's not Thomas Davis. He's not the. Guy. There are better linebackers in the league than him but agree agree he has been fantastic against the run this year which is an area of his game that he wasn't good at before this season probably improved last year but really strong this year you saw it when he came out against the broncos cj anderson gashed them up the middle previously they've been going to the outside having to run those stretch plays they knew they weren't going to get much trough up the middle they did really like the moment clay matthews went up cj anderson ran for that long 22 yard touchdown uh, it was no surprise at all clay matthews i apologize you are above average Packers have won the last two meetings overall and five of seven all time at Carolina. I am going the Packers. I'm a homer. I don't care. Now, two teams, not with a surprise winning record. That's a little bit of, a, uh, of an overstatement. But the four and three Rams travel to the five and two Vikings. The Vikings have been excellent defensively over the past six or seven games, but... They haven't met somebody as good as Todd Gurley. Two amazing running backs in this game. Adrian Peterson, who, whilst he's been much quieter than some people expected him to be, is running for five or six yards per carry at the moment. He's looking brilliant. And Todd Gurley, we're going to talk about our, re- our redone uh, beginning of season awards at the end of this show, but he is the rookie of the year. Let's be honest. He's been phenomenal. I, just ridiculous. He's, he didn't play... For the first three games of the season, then in the fourth game of the season, he was limited, only had a few carries for nine yards, and he's still on pace to break Eric Dickerson's uh, rookie rushing record. He is this year's Le'Veon Bell. He's been outstanding. Todd Gurley is better than Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I'd, I'd, and I'd agree with you there. He will be number... I really wanted to drop one more of these. Because I thought you'd make me, but... He will be the number one pick in fantasy next year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No Unless, doubt without, without an injury, and it, he will go number one in every single league that's not you know, run by idiots. I think the Vikings have been lucky, uh, have been lucky this season. Five and two, I think, flatters the Vikings. Four and three is about right for the Rams. Um, of course, two of those defeats were when Gurley wasn't playing. Um, I've gone the Rams in this. I think the Rams will go 
to Minnesota, Minneapolis, and uh, I, I expect them to win. I, I think the Vikings have got such a tough schedule coming up after this week. They go to the Raiders, who are no slouches now. Then they've got the Packers, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, four back-to-back games. You, you know, they very easily could slip back to, say, six and six off the back of this next stretch of games. And look, not out of obviously you're not out of the playoff picture at 500 with four games to go, but certainly in a, a weaker position than they are now. I, too, have taken the Rams. Wow. The Patriots at 7-0 and welcome the Washington Football Club, a team who I predicted that would be the first uh, head coach to go this season. Not the case, but uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be ugly. So I've said it before, I'll say it again. Maybe I shouldn't be saying it given uh, Washington's uh, um, nickname, but it will be a bloodbath. <laughs> Washington, I don't, really didn't expect that. Uh, Patriots have won their last two meetings, include a 52-7 home win over Washington back in 2007, to go to 8-0. and In fact, the, the numbers around this game are absolutely ridiculous. Facing Washington in Week 8, uh, the, the same team they faced in Week 8 when they last went undefeated. Uh, Brady, 26 of 356 and four touchdowns to match uh, Carson Palmer with 20 and 1 in one less, with 20, sorry, touchdowns in one less game. Rob Gronkowski surpassed 100 yards for the fourth time this season. They have been ridiculous. They're going to continue to be ridiculous. They'll be 8-0 off the back of this. I don't think there's much else to talk about here. 8-0. The, uh, the only thing that's going to be interesting is Washington's run defence has been good this year. Can they stop Dion Lewis? I don't think they can. Dion is it's that utility back now, isn't he? He's split out wide or um, the little dump pass, and he's been managing to get yards after the catch and, you know, really gouging on teams. Look, Garrett Blunt has looked all right, but Dion Lewis has been Bill Belichick's secret weapon, and he's not so secret. Now, we did want to move some of the news into talking about the games, and there was some news around this next game. This week, the Titans at 1-6 and six fired head coach Ken Wisenhunt, sorry, Ken Wisenhunt, and brought in <laughs> Mike Mulally, an assistant who went 16-32 and 32 whilst a head coach in Buffalo and Jacksonville, and, of course, was 3-20 and 20 over his last 23 games. Exactly the same record as Ken Wisenhunt. They travel to the 4-4 four and four Saints. The Saints have won their last three on the bounce. The Titans, you're a dumpster fire. This is a Saints win. Saints win. Uh, the Saints defense is terrible, but that was up against Odell Beckham and uh, a rejuvenated Eli Manning. I can only see uh, a Saints win in this because the Titans don't have anywhere near the weapons. So Kendall well, Wright Ma- is out. Mariota is back this week, which is good news. Um, but none of their running backs are ca- averaging more than 40.4 yards a game. That's ridiculous. They will have David Cobb coming back in the next couple of games, who's a guy that a lot of people were excited about before the season, really thought that he might make an impact. So maybe that's going to make an impact down the stretch. But really, Malaki is just there as the truest of interims they'll look for somebody new in the summer they should look for somebody on the offensive side of the ball who can um, turn Mariota into the player that he looks like he could become uh the Saints uh, Drew Brees has just been ridiculous the last three games yep. just 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 ridiculous. amazing just Drew Brees at his very best and you know what he needed he needed to get injured he needed his arm to hurt <laughs> um to have a week off come back boomtown well he's been doing very much what um what we expected out of Peyton Manning and certainly what Tom Brady's been doing the last few seasons because Tom Brady, whilst he hits the occasional deep ball, doesn't have the arm strength he had when he was younger and yet looks like he's playing maybe the best of his entire career. And that has a huge amount to do with the the, the, the 
design of the offence. He's doing that without the weapons. Benjamin Watson is on pace to match uh, Jimmy Graham's statistics from last mm. year. I'm really, really enjoying watching the Saints at the moment. I think they're unfortunate just to be in a division where there is an undefeated team who will remain undefeated against the Packers this weekend. And, uh, and also the Falcons, who, whilst they've been bad the last couple of weeks still have so much on offence that they yeah, should yeah. should manage to go to the playoffs. And great uniforms as well. Well done, Saints. Uh, now, an intriguing game this weekend. Genuinely, I believe that to be the case. The Jags coming off the back of a bye week. They're 2-5, and five, having beaten the Bills in Wembley in their last game. Travel to the Jets, 4-3. and three, Also, previous winners at Wembley this season. Chris Ivory's 501 rushing yards are the third most by a Jet in their first five game in the system. In their history... And the big part of this is going to be whether the Jags can be stout against the running game. It's not something which they've managed to do. TJ Yeldon's emergence has been crucial this year. He was excellent at Wembley, and when they were missing him with injury, they really couldn't get things going on offense. But so many fantastic weapons for Bortles. The Jets looked fallible against the Raiders in Oakland last week. I do think this is intriguing. I've just about plumped for the Jets. But the Jags, do you know what? I think they have a shot here. I think I've gone Jags. Wow. I haven't got my gridiron picks up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I went Jags. I like the look of the Jags' offensive weapons. And I think their defense actually really stepped up against Buffalo last week. Um, you know, conceding that, um, conceding that lead. However, stopping them with two minutes to go, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, I've gone Jags. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like he'll be playing. He's going to be wearing... Oh, oh, oh. He'll be wearing a, a special glove to protect his um, hurt thumb, tendon, tendon thumb yeah, in, in his whatever it is. non-throwing non-throwing hand. But um, yeah, that's why I mentioned Chris Ivory because I think it's yeah. massive that they get the running game going against the Jags. Because whilst it's his non-throwing hand, you've still got to take the ball off snaps. I think you'll see him under centre a lot where it's not as much pressure. There's less likelihood that he's going to fumble rather than sitting in the shotgun, sitting in the pistol. Will uh, we see any wildcat? Do you think? Oh, maybe. Because to negate the fact that, uh, that, that that he's got a dodgy hand. Saucy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Hashtag bold prediction. <laughs> I'm not taking that as a bold prediction. Did, but who did you take in this game? I, I'm going Jags. Ooh, you did take the Jags. That is quite exciting. I do think that the Jets' defence bounced back this week. I think that was an outlier rather than the way the rest of their season is going to look, their performance against the Raiders last week. And I think the Raiders are an interesting team on offence, so... Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the home team, who were the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I've already moved on mentally. Clearly, I must apologise. Well done, mate. Uh, <laughs> now, my pick of the six o'clock games, and I did this last week by picking not the game between two undefeated teams, but picking another random game, and uh, ended up being horribly wrong because I didn't. Pick, who was going to pick the Saints Giants as being the best game of the week? But my favourite game this week is whether. The Oakland Raiders can travel to Pittsburgh where Ben Roethlisberger has hopefully shook off the rust after that defeat to the Bengals. And can they prove themselves to be true AFC contenders? Just think about this. After eight games, the Raiders could be 5-3 and three and beating teams not only out West, but genuine contenders out West. How exciting would it be for the Raiders to win this game, Ollie? I took the Jets. Uh, I've gone back. That's the wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back to take the Jags. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, Raiders look really, really nice. Uh, Charles Woodson, five, five count them interceptions this year. I mean, incredible for a man who's 71 years old. 39. 31. Okay, fine. 39. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone the other way. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, you know, I, I, it is actually a really interesting game to, uh, uh, to I think call. it was BS. No, well, you're wrong. 
Um, Russellsberger, he's one and four. He's in not his in the career. league anymore. Can we still use those drops? Yeah. Uh, Good. BS. Carry on. Russellsberger, one in four is in his career. Russellsberger. <laughs> I've been up a long time. Yeah, okay. Uh, in his career against the Raiders, despite posting a 97.5 rating and averaging more than 300 yards passing. Although, I think the Steelers may just edge this one. Yeah, I, I, I boldly gone for the Raiders. I actually think the Steelers are the more likely winners here at 4-4. Four and four. They're desperate for the win to keep up any four. I mean, they're not going to win the division at this point, but they've definitely got the shot at the wild card. And moving 5-4 and four would be big for them with the bye week still to come for them. Uh, the, I'm, I, if I was a Steelers fan, and actually just as a football fan in general, I'm absolutely gutted with how the Steelers season has gone. Because we were so excited to see those three huge offensive weapons on the field together, plus Martavis Bryant, who has led the team in receptions and yardage and touchdowns since returning from his ban. But just to not have uh, Antonio Brown, then not have Ben Roethlisberger, then not have Le'Veon Bell. I think these three players have been on the field for the same at the same time for a sum total of 28 minutes this season. That's unbelievable. So I, it's just absolutely devastating to be missing out on that real high-octane, high-powered offence. Certainly, I believe you took them as the AFC North winners, and you weren't. whilst we weren't so keen on their defence, actually the defence has proved to be one of their strong suits this year. It's a real, real shame we've not got to see more of that. Hopefully everyone gets rested up healed and next year we'll see pittsburgh run the table yeah probably overstating it uh why uh oh no because it's now one of the late games we're now on to the late games Woo! four more real games to talk about and the bears at san diego as well uh the well i say four more real games this isn't a real game either the falcons at six and two travel to the two and six 49ers who have blaine gabbert under center it's not great <laughs> Can you tell I'm feeling sorry for myself this week? Yeah, really sorry for yourself. You're not even hungover. Uh, <laughs> which is a rarity yeah, on a Saturday morning. It really, really is. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> we, we should just mention Blaine Gabbert. Sorry, that wasn't the mic. That was me hitting the desk in anger. Um, the 49ers have brought in Blaine Gabbert. They've benched Colin Kaepernick. The reasons have been discussed. I think we've picked over the bones of this corpse plenty already. Uh, Maurice Jones-Jew said Blaine Gabbert was the best pure passer he's ever played with. I um, will choose to ignore that. He's going up against <laughs> Matt Ryan. Uh, 37 and 45 in a season high, 397 yards and two touchdowns last weekend. This is a man that's on form. Well, on form for one game. On form he, for one game. He was this, terrible the two games before that. The three-time pro bowler is throwing for 316.7 yards per game with five touchdowns and five interceptions in three meetings with San Francisco. He should be able to improve in those numbers as the 49ers rank 27th against the pass. The la- was the last time these two played the NFC Championship game? It could well have been. 28-24, 2012. That was a hell of a game. This isn't going to be a hell of a game. Uh, Falcons win. Falcons win. Giants 4-4, four and four, travelling to the Bucks 3-4. and four? You what? I nearly went hysterical, even though it's a real record, a real thing. Uh, the New York Giants slipped to 4-4 four and four last week, losing in that ridiculous shootout in the Dome. Uh, they rank last in total defence of the season, allowing an average of 435 yards. Well, I was drunk last weekend, I might have said they were sneakily a good defence. They're not. They're an opportunistic defence who get turnovers and therefore are exciting to watch. But they did give up 608 yards to the Saints last weekend. Jameis Winston is the fifth worst completion percentage at 58.6, but 
he looked good last week. He has a defense he can pick on. The Giants have an offense that can get things going. I think we might see a shootout in Tampa Bay. Lots of points, but I'm taking the Giants on the road. So what you're really saying is it's 12-10? <laughs> Defensive struggle with both offenses not working. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, I've gone Bucks at home. Um, I, I really fancy the Bucks. Vincent Jackson is out uh, for the Bucks. However, Mike Evans is back. Uh, Doug Martin, he's fourth in the NFL with 87.3 yards per game. He's looked actually really, really good. I agree, yeah. Doug Martin... He's one of the, the highlights, The muscle actually. hamster turning it around. Oh, don't. You use this nickname. I don't like you. I don't like that. I. It's better than the... No, what, what do they call him? The Duggernaut? That's dreadful. Yeah, that's not good as well. The muscle hamster, he doesn't like it because it's an ex-girlfriend's nickname for him. That, to me, just makes it funnier. I will call him uh, the Norman Cook. The what? Yeah. House Martins, Norman Cook, Fat Boy Slim. Let's call him Fat Boy. <laughs> Why Fat Boy Slim? I'm so confused by this nickname. What? The House Martins was Fat Boy Slim, Norman Cook's uh, first band in the 1980s. This is so weirdly specific. And his name's Doug Martin. What are your? Are you, have you taken the Bucks? Why? Why other than Doug Martin? Why else do you think that's the case? Because I don't like the Giants' defense, and I think uh, the, the Bucks. Are, your typing's really p- putting me off. But the way you look at me at the same time, I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I'm going Bucks. You're just typing nonsense just to weird me out. I, I I nearly typed that perfectly. Then there's just a random couple of extra characters in there. But I'm just putting out a little tweet, just saying. Almost recorded the new podcast, uh, but get any questions in to us quickly and we'll try and answer them. I bet we get none because it's, you know, half seven in the morning. But I beer bet you we get at least one. At le- well, I'm not going to beer bet at least one. It has to be a reasonable amount, like five. We're not going to get five in 20 minutes. Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see, won't three. we? I beer bet you we'll get at least three. Four. Three and a half. Okay, so if it's four, you win. If it's three, I win. Okay. And no, it, wait, no, that's that's still four. And it has to be, uh, and it has to be by the end of us recording. Right. Thanks for listening to the show. There's been three other games that are totally irrelevant. Nobody cares about them. Uh, no, I of course don't mean that. And the next game up is the improving and exciting. How can you say a team are improving when they're seven and zero? Payton Manning, you're a ludicrous human being. The seven and zero Broncos go to the three and four Colts, and we talked about the excitement of numbers. And I, I know this was talked about on other people who listen to us will listen to the Around the NFL podcast. And this is probably in there with the stats that are way too mentioned. But just to say that this week, with 284 yards, Peyton Manning will move ahead of Brett Favre and become the league record all-time passing leader. Right? Yep. The Colts are giving up 285 yards on average this year. Wow, what a what a quirk of numbers. <laughs> uh, the fact that he will be going into his old house, the place where he had so many regular season wins, passed for so many of these 71,555 yards. Oh, and by the way, if he wins this game, he moves to 187 regular season wins, breaking the tie and becoming the winningest quarterback of ah, all time. <laughs> you're a disgrace. Uh, I have, t- you know, Luck's throwing the league high, 12 interceptions, ranks 32. 
with in passer rating just below Manning, oddly enough. Um, two games with a sprained shoulder appear to hurt his play over the last few weeks. Uh, it was he was unfortunate against the Panthers. He did draw, really picked up his play in the fourth quarter. The defense backed off a little bit. He was allowed to to really throw the ball much more than he was able to previously, but. It's very difficult not to say that Peyton and the Broncos go there, break the records and move to 8-0. I've taken the Colts. Ooh! I think luck will turn it on. Moncrief, Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener. You fancy, fancy man. I really think T.Y. Hilton. Huh. They will do it. You're a Frank Gore. Armoured Bradshaw. <laughs> 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 I don't. I'm, right. I'm, I'm almost trying to convince you. I'm. I'm sort of uh, unconvincing no, myself. You've taken the Colts. It's too late now. You've said it on the podcast. Yeah, I've taken the Colts. Uh, <laughs> Sunday night football, and this is why I felt we need to discuss the division of disgrace, because Sunday night football in a prime time game, we're going to see the three and four misfiring Eagles traveling to the two and five Cowboys, who admittedly have Des back, but still no Tony Romo. They could have flexed this game out. They could have given us. Broncos, Colts. They never flex out the Cowboys and the Eagles. They could have given us Packers at Panthers, which is why the question needs to be asked. Yes, the AFC South is disgraceful. Yes, they all the the team leading that division has a three and five record. They're both tied for that, but whatever. But we're not getting the AFC South rammed down our throats. The AFC South know they're terrible. They hold their hands up. They know they're terrible. Yeah, they do. The NFC East have real illusions of grandeur and keep being put on prime time. And we keep getting forced to watch this utter drivel. And that's what this game's going to be. Utter drivel. Is there any argument that because of their position, we should be giving the NFC East the disgrace title? I quite like it. I really like it. I mean... I'm still wavering with the South. I just think that there's there's an argument to be made for that. Because we are seeing too much of them, and it's constant. It's, oh, it's a divisional game, NFC East, let's put them in. I think we give it another two weeks before we, we christen the oh, disgrace. Two weeks is a bit much. I think it has to be after this weekend. Let's see what happens this weekend. See, if, if, an, if an AFC South team can move to four and five this weekend, which basically has to be the Colts, or if the Jags move to three and five, maybe. Okay, two more weeks. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> See? Uh, after the week 10 games, we will officially christen our division of disgrace, purely because we have to watch this terrible NFC East game on Sunday night. Uh, just to say, I've taken the Eagles because I still believe that the Cowboys can't win without Tony Romo. There's been an ongoing discussion on our mythical Facebook group about... Um, uh, how talent rich the Cowboys are. Both Simon Clancy, who knows more about football than me, and Matthew Sherry, who doesn't. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that. He probably does know more about football than me, but uh, reckon that the Cowboys might be the most talent rich team in the entire league. I have them as like a top five, top six team, but I think too much is made of their O line when the running backs behind it haven't been able to perform this year. And I think that their defense. The moment Sean Lee goes down, which happens on such a regular basis, yeah. they're really not that strong. Secondary isn't great either. They've got a decent front seven, but it's a great front seven with Sean Lee in there. The secondary's terrible. It's not just poor. It's I was being like, nice. Yeah, you were being too nice. You know, Barry Church burst. They've, they've got a Claiborne rubbish. They've got bad, bad secondary. I still think they're a good team. Every team has holes. There's no team in the league who you're looking at and going, like the Broncos, have potentially got a record-breaking defense this year. But you look at the offensive side of the ball, you say, well, they haven't got the run game going until this week. Their offensive line isn't that strong. You could say about any team, the Patriots, their secondary is not great. You know, there's, there's holes to pick in every single team. 
I just think the Cowboys, for me personally, if they were neutral field and they had all of their players fit and so did the other team, I would take New England to beat them. I would take maybe Green Bay to pick them, but that's including Jordy Nelson to be fit as well. Um, I would take Arizona to beat them. Uh, I like Arizona's pass rush. I love their secondary. I think they'd nullify Dez with no problem. Uh, I would take, who else did I say I'd take to beat them? I, th- I think I'd take Denver to beat them at a fully, fully strength, fully fit. So Bengals. That for me. And, and at current form, the Bengals. Yeah. So that puts them in sixth, maybe fifth. That's that's where I sit on them. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't go, that's not saying they're a bad team. They're a great football team. But I just put them slightly outside that top rank. But they've not with got Tony Romo. They're going to lose. Morals. They're going to lose their sixth game in a row. Yeah, this is obviously a karmic backlash for signing Greg Hardy and playing him on your football team. You're going to go to two and six. You're going to be out of the playoff race. And we can stop talking about this. I've gone Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I don't know how to react to that. Dez is back. Uh, Dez is back. At, um, back again. At Cowboys Stadium. Dez is back. To bring them Dez to the three friend. and five, make the Eagles three and five, and really cement the division as the division of disgrace. The, I mean, to be fair, the Eagles are... Um, their secondary's not been good. Byron Maxwell, when he's outside of the Legion of Boom, does not look like a particularly good player. Though he had his best game of the season last week. It's always the way when I say ridiculous statements like that. But So if Dez plays up to the level, maybe he can help Castle out. But Matt Castle is not the 2007... Matt, not 2007, whatever year it was that he came in for the Patriots uh, and led them to a ridiculous record. He's not that same Matt Castle. He's not even the same Matt Castle that won in Wembley two years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's not, even, he's not even the same Matt Castle who played for the Vikings and played well. Uh, so I, I, can't pick, I can't pick with the Cowboys until Romo's back, basically. Okay, that's fine. Fine. Now, there is one more game this weekend, but as far as I'm aware, neither of these are NFL teams. No, they're definitely not. One doesn't belong in its city. The other one, I don't even like talking about. So It's the 2-5 and five Chicago Bears at the 2-6 and six San Diego Chargers. Because Jay Cutler's been good the last two weeks, I'm taking the Chicago Bears. Uh, because San Diego are at home on Monday Night Football, I am taking the Chargers. There we go. We've split a lot of games this week. I quite like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit different. I need so, to make up. Yeah, yeah. There are a few, you are a few games off. That's because I keep forgetting to press submit on my predictions. Uh, yeah, we need to go back. If anyone fancies going back and listening to these preview pods and telling us who Ollie picked every week, uh, we will pay you in... Uh, I'll send you a Jamal Charles Kansas City Chiefs jersey. How about that? <laughs> and I've got a spare programme from the... I have a spare program from every Wembley game this year. They're yeah. not they're not signed, but I will send those as well. You could sign them. I, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> if you would like a, yeah, three Wembley things signed by me and Ollie. <laughs> and no, 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 no. I'm not signing them. Just by will. And the Jamal Charles Chiefs jersey. Then we, Are you going to sign that as well? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, I'm basically Jamal Charles, right? JC. Uh, then... Uh, then Go back through and send us all of Ollie's picks to gridironpod at gmail.com. Obviously, it has to go to the first person to do it. If anyone else does it as well, we'll find some kind of prize for you. Uh, yeah, we are. It's, it's tight in our picks. Um, currently, the league is being led by Morn01. We're still not sure who that is. If you listen to the show, tell us who you are. They have 84 picks on the year. That's a phenomenal number. Leading the Gridiron crew uh, is myself and Matt Sherry, both on 78. Liam Blackburn's there as well. Is Liam Blackburn also on 78? I no, thought he's on he 79. On... No, no, Liam Blackburn also on 78. Ooh. So me, Liam and Sherry are all on 78. What are you on, Ollie? 
I have no idea. Well, that's the point. So we need to get Ollie's picks. So Go some, find me, find me. So I, but you've not put them in. It's going to take me ages. I'm going to have to worry about pages and pages. What are you called on it? Ollie. Uh, just Ollie. Okay, I reckon good. I might be on page seven. <laughs> I'm not going to page seven. I'm going to... Uh, you're back on 57. You yeah. definitely haven't entered your picks the last two weeks. Either that or you're really terrible. I had one week where I got four. I know, but I had one week where I got like four uh, or five. I, that that weird week two, was it, where it was just mental? I definitely didn't put in my predictions for at least one week. Uh, so go to gridiron.com, uh, play the predictor game. Uh, each week we give a new era hat away, and at the end of the season there'll be some fantastic prize. And if anybody, I'll tell you what, we, I want to know our beer bets for the season so far. <laughs> uh, and, and or any that you hear don't go through and listen to all of it that would be ridiculous but if you go through and listen to our preview games and just flick through and find where Ollie makes his predictions send us those at gridironpod at gmail.com I literally expect nobody to actually do this <laughs> there's no one going to do it but just in case you what do what if I do it can I have your programmes uh, <laughs> signed by you yes and the Jamal Charles jersey <laughs> you absolutely can you absolutely can right let's revisit very quickly before we end the show our uh, pre-season uh, awards predictions have i still got the awards music on the computer that is a question i don't let's just go with this should have gone with this but there's nothing super about the superchargers this year so pull it uh we <laughs> we want to talk so uh let's start off with mvp of the league i took aaron Rodgers before the season I still think Aaron Rodgers, he's had the one terrible game. If he leads them to uh, a, a, like a 15-1 and one record and takes them to the Super Bowl, he still is the MVP to me, but I think he'll go to Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I think... Who did you take before the season? Do you remember? Aaron Rodgers. Good. Comeback player of the year. I certainly... Uh, we, we talked about Adrian Peterson as being a possibility. Uh, we talked about Navarro Bowman being a possibility. We talked about Eric Berry being a possibility. I think I took Carson Palmer. Yeah, that's a really great shout. That's, I think I took him. That's a fantastic shout. I think it's going to be Eric Berry. Yeah, I mean, the NFL loves a story, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a and great story. And he did story. beat cancer. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying he's only got it because it's a great story. He's got it because he did something incredible. And Beating cancer in Kansas and then playing up to the level he has the last three or four weeks. I think Eric Berry should win it. What about fact. if D'Angelo Williams... Is he shut technically... Up, shut up, cow. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, Rookie of the year, I took a famous Jameis. I don't remember who you took. Amari Cooper, maybe? I think I might have taken Cooper. I remember somebody took Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think it would have been something I would have done. It's obviously Todd Gurley. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think it would be ridiculous to suggest it. There's other guys in there. Stefan Diggs has been very impressive. There's been a couple of defensive players. Diggs has been great. TJ Yeldon's been pretty good. I like Marcus Peters for being uh, defensive rookie of the year at the moment, but... Yeah, very, very difficult to look beyond uh, Todd yep. Gurley for, for any of that. Amari Cooper is, in fact, up there as well. He's having a great year, but, yeah, it's yeah. Todd Gurley. Yeah. Uh, what other rewards do we have? So the hot seat, we've already, we've already d- kind of had that happen, but is there a guy on the hot seat at the moment he could see going before the end of the year? It's become the vogue thing to fire your head coach in the season. Pagano? Pagano. If they go, if they go really badly the rest of the year... I could see him going. I think Pagano's going. I, I 100% think Pagano's gone at the end of the year. It's whether he goes before the end of the year intrigues me, but I think that's the right shout. Yeah. I'm all on board with that. Um, now, we could go through and do all of our playoff teams again. I think most of the divisions are relatively obvious, and I don't remember who we picked before. So let's just revisit and say NFC Championship, AFC Championship, Super Bowl. Now, my games were 
NFC Championship, I had Packers and the Cowboys with Packers winning. And my AFC Championship, I had the Colts and uh, the Patriots with the Colts winning. Oh, dear. Um, Oopsie. I can't remember. I think you should have prepped me with this. And I had the Packers winning in the Super Bowl. I think I went Packers, Seahawks with the Packers winning. Mm -hmm. And I think I went Patriots, Steelers with the Patriots winning. I think. I am going to change my picks to, in the NFC, the Packers and the Cardinals with the Packers winning. Mm -hmm. I I love the Panthers. I think they've played to a great... I think Cam Newton's been brilliant. I think those deficiencies on his offense will show up come playoff time. Uh, And in the AFC, I'm going to say the Bengals are going to get there and then lose to the Patriots in the AFC title game. Packers-Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I have to pick with my heart. I'm going to say the Packers win. Oh, with your heart, with your now green and yellow heart. No, no, not green and yellow, just definitely not red, white. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, I think it will be the Packers and the Cardinals that reach the uh, NFC Championships. Um, Packers win. Uh, And then... Go Bengals and Broncos, do it. Say Bengals and Broncos. Screw the Patriots. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Bengals and Broncos. Broncos win. Broncos then beat the Packers in the final Super Bowl. Oh, Ollie. And you'll be there to watch the Packers lose the Super Bowl. Shut your face. <laughs> uh, we, we put the question out there. It's very early in the morning. And Ollie bet me that we'd have at least three responses. We've had one response, which is me retweeting it. Wait a second. Just let me... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, and that doesn't really count as a response. I'm deleting the question because it's embarrassing to put something else out and have nobody respond to it. Uh, so sorry we didn't get to any Twitter. We should have put it out last night. When all we of you are a disgrace. No, you're not. You're just not up at stupid o'clock on a Saturday morning. Uh, Ollie, before we finish this off and look forward, we're really. It's a, I think this is a great week nine. I think we're going to have a great slate of games on Sunday night. Do you want to come watch games at mine? You've got a date. Sunday. Yeah, I'll come watch you. You can watch um, Green Bay Carolina on Pix TV. Well, you can. We won't, but you can. We'll put Red Zone on the little TV, Green Bay, Par- uh, Green Bay Carolina on the big TV, have Game Pass on iPads and stuff. It'll be fun. Yeah, all right. Anyone who wants, who's listening, who fancies joining us, hit me up. I live in South London. I'm not telling you more than that now, but if you tweet us, maybe I'll invite you around. Is it uh, street? Uh, <laughs> 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 You're a bell end. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that any of our listeners are mental enough to actually come to my house but I have beat that out uh, thank you very much for listening then uh, at Gridiron on Twitter as always check out sportstraveltours.com for all the information from them we're going to have some really exciting stuff coming up with them cannot wait for the tour etc Ollie any final things you'd like to add no wow you've been coming in prepared with a little nugget somebody Floss did tweet us saying that she thought that we should make Ollie's dating stories a new thing, but I believe the girl that you like that you're dating is uh, is listening to the show. Maybe she doesn't get to an hour and four minutes into it. Oh, just silence, just pure silence. Fine, thank I, you very much. I just can't really talk about that right now. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for listening. We're going to have an awkward off-air conversation. Uh, enjoy week nine. Tweet us at Gridiron. All of the usual good stuff. This has been the Gridiron. Show. 
Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular! Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is a winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.